Hey guys, welcome back to Merlison, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. My name is Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. And this week we have two wonderful guests with us again, because we're delving into a new topic, a new category, uh, and we're calling this one Love to Hate, which basically, to give you a rundown of what that means, is... Whenever we do a topic on this category, we're going to take one aspect of the show that we think they did really well and talk about why we love it. And then we're going to take one aspect of the show that we thought they did rather poorly and talk about why we hate it. (laughs) And this week we're talking about the interpretation of the Arthurian legend. And that is absolutely a love for us because it's a very unique way that they did it for this show. And because me and Momo aren't 100% 100% what we'd call Arthurian scholars. We have uh, two people that are definitely way more clued up than we are. So we have Sophia. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm Sophia. Uh, I'm a, a fan feeder on YouTube uh, with the name Sue Winchester 900. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. We have R. Hi, I'm R. Um, I don't have any real social media. <laughs> that's that's smart honestly <laughs> <laughs> that is very smart um so yeah those are our two lovely guests they're joining us uh all the way from portugal and from the usa so we've got a lovely mix of accents again which will make it much easier for people to uh tell who's speaking because sometimes it's not, <laughs> not um but before we get into the topic at hand uh we've got all of our usual admin so momo take it away thank you rocks so let's start with some news pornoloth the summer smut fest has put up a poll to determine whether the fest should indeed run in the summer or in the fall instead please go and cast your vote if you are keen on creating for this fest wip week returns the new round starts today on july the 22nd and ends on saturday july the 28th the fest is meant to motivate you to work on those WIPs gathering dust on your hard drive. All fandoms are welcome. Coinalot put out a four-week reminder regarding ticket sales. You only have four weeks left to buy a ticket for the convention if you want to attend it. Coinalot is a Merthyr OTP convention that welcomes all fans of Merlin as long as they're open to spending a weekend with a bunch of Merthyr fans. And participate in all kinds of activities centered around the slash pairing of Merlin and Arthur. Tickets cost £250 and will include overnight stays at the venue from Friday through Monday and all meals between Friday evening and Monday morning, as well as all-inclusive access to the convention. Last but not least, two art sale notes. Mario Lewis is down to the last 50 copies of the Martha fanart book Hashtag Husbands. If you want to buy one, check out Mario Lewis's post on Tumblr. And JLS Drawings is selling cute chibi Martha charms. There are three different options available to buy, all of them sickeningly cute. Check out their post on Tumblr to find out how to acquire one or all three. Awesome! So that has been it for news. Back to rocks. <laughs> um, so we're going to be doing another talk back today, as we usually do. We are limiting these now to one per episode, and... Today, we have got a comment by ArchD. If you guys remember, we had the lovely ArchD on our episode about conventions, and uh, we always love 
to hear from her because she had well we seem well I say that I seem to always argue with anything that she says <laughs> but you know yeah. that's fine and and this is actually a comment they left way back when we did our uh, episode review of the very first Merlin episode the dragon's call and somehow this has uh, slipped our notice for which we apologize <laughs> But hey, we've seen it now, and we it's like a nice little throwback to last year when we talked about <laughs> this episode for the first time. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was mostly me that just kind of, well, because it was a really nice long comment, and I'm just going to paraphrase the little bits that I said. So Archdee, uh, so if you guys remember, I, uh, I mentioned how I thought that the first episode, even though it was really fun, kind of threw a lot of information at us and there was a lot going on and a lot of characters introduced at once and all that kind of stuff. And I said uh, that and then Archdee says, well, I have to disagree with you on the rapidity of of the storyline in this episode. I thought it was just right because Merlin's coming into a new place with all these new people that he has to deal with and introduction of characters from his POV would be quick, uh, which I completely agree with. I think like if you look at it from that point of view, it, it like definitely helps to get that sense of, Oh my God, this is a new place and everything. I think it was just for me because these days shows are produced so differently and we have the kind of Netflix style show where you really can take your time and you know that, you have a full season, you know that you can just take your time with the storytelling. I think that because we had 13 episodes, it would have been really nice just to let the the first episode breathe a bit more. And like I said, my my big thing was that I wish that Arthur, that Merlin had saved Arthur's life a little bit later on in the show, or maybe even met him later on. I thought that would have been quite cool. But um, I get wh- where she's coming from. There's obviously this big new place and everything's happening. Uh, and I think also that, like, from the writer's point of view, they were trying to create intrigue, like, right from the start, because you wanted people to get hooked on this show right away. Because, like, for example, with Netflix shows, uh, you already have the entire season, and it's, like, I mean, it still depends on whether people watch it or not, but I feel like like 10 years ago, or even now, when you produce things for television rather than streaming services like netflix you have a lot of pressure writing on like first episodes to create intrigue and to be interesting so that people will be hooked and come back for more sure yeah Um, and and that way they by just introducing all these characters all at once they were just like look at this characters we have from the legends and look at this character what we did with them and look at them and look at them yeah yeah just just so that people don't get bored and 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 I actually wrote in my notes, I actually think it's one of the best balanced episodes of the first season. Like, I think it's a really solid episode. Like, everyone gets their moment to shine. All the main characters get scenes. We get what's going on. I just think that kind of all this is really in retrospect. I really enjoy the episode, and it's one that I go back to all the time because it's there's, it's like the most quotable episode of the whole show, <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's really enjoyable. Um, She also said... I love, love, love that Merlin has made a manservant at the end of the first episode, throwing him into the deep end of the pool before he can really settle in and knowing what he's doing. It feels like it's meant that the audience would feel things were going too fast because for Merlin they were. And again, this is all in hindsight because when I watched it, it didn't bother me at all that he was made a manservant. But then 
we said, didn't we, Mimo? Like, as we're reviewing these episodes, like, we're just like, why is everything happening so quickly for these two? Can't they just like, because he's made a manservant at the end of the first episode. And then in the second episode, they're like, ready to like, do all sorts of things for each other. And we're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we just slow down a little bit? Yeah. So I think that's where Honestly, I the timeline of the first, the, like the timeline of the first half of the first season is just like, you're never entirely sure, like, how soon this is. Because, like, between Dragon's Call and Valiant can't be that much time. Because Valiant starts on Merlin's very first day as office manservant. So you would assume that that is, like, at most a couple of days after Dragon's Call. And Arthur already trusts Merlin (laughs) to tell him the truth. Like, listen, you just met the guy. Yeah. Um, her next comment was, uh, loved Merlin's cheek with Arthur coming from a small village. I think he wouldn't know how to deal with royalty. And the fact that he doesn't back down gives the audience a hint of just how naive he is and how much trouble he'll get into because of it. Although I will say that if you're kind of going by traditional, like social rules, which I know I always bring up on this podcast. <laughs> like Merlin would have been taught like to fear royalty, and he would not have like he would have known how to behave. He would have just like fallen to the ground like in a realistic situation. But like I get that this is a bit different. But I've said it on the podcast before. I love how naive and cheeky he is in the first season and in this first episode particularly. I mean, it's just something, and I love how even though. They go through so much change and they become so jaded as characters by the end. That's still something that is still part of their relationship. Even as Arthur is dying, they're still quipping. And I think that that's just something that really is so nice that it stayed all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else did we say? Uh, gosh, Archie really gave us, gave us a lot of feedback. Um, she says, other things I loved about the episode was the way they played with the Arthurian legend. Obviously, that's good because we're going to be talking about it today. Um, and the hints of what was to come with Gwen and Morgana's characters. Uh, so I've said I almost feel like the way they wrote Morgana ended up backing them into a corner because she was written so well and so likable that there was nothing they could have done with her that would have made her descent into evil believable for me or like m- making her realistic as a character and she ended up being this cackling villain in season three i mean we've already we've already spoken about that in the morgana episode but yeah i i love how she's written in the dragon's call and it's such a shame that she was so good that then like it was difficult to make her bad in the end but um and uh then the last point that Archie makes is also i love that the first thing we see is merlin going down the dusty road and it's filmed on the ridgeway which is a real trail used for over five thousand years it's England's oldest road. Their choices for locations have always made me smile, and often there is just that extra piece of history in it. And I just wrote down here that I had no idea that that was a, a, a trail that was used for 5,000 years, and it was the oldest road. I just uh, think that that is so wonderful. And speaking of that shot, it made me think when Archie mentioned it, how he's so carefree and happy walking. Like, that's the first shot. She's right. We see of him just walking down that road, and the last shot of the show is him walking down a road, obviously a lot less carefree and happy. So it's just this <laughs> stark contrast. You just had to remind everybody. I'm sorry, right? every time. 
every single time you bring it back to sad I stuff. Know, but it's just this really like stark contrast and how obviously he looks so different and even the color of the of the color grading of the show by that point was so mm-hmm. different. So, uh yeah, that is that is that for talkbacks unless our lovely guests have anything they want to add about Archie's comments. Um just about the setting of the show um I thought it was really interesting how they used like a lot of French buildings but also a lot of Welsh buildings because that's really the two places that the King Arthur legends have come the most like those are the most famous legends that we know like uh Lamort de Arthur that's French but a lot of the original Arthur stuff was Welsh so while it a lot of it was convenience. I know this because I've worked on shoots um, like this, but also their modeling of other things were like their modeling of villages and how villages and stuff was looked was more Welsh. And then obviously the castle is a beautiful French castle. Yeah. So I just thought that was cool too. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. really, yeah. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah. Uh, I think about what Roxanne said about the um, the way the show starts uh, a bit colorful and then starts to to go darker. I think the um, the color schemes you can tell um, the the atmosphere of the show is changing, and I think that that's one one of those things I really liked about it. The the shading uh, that things are starting uh, in a, a very uh, carefree way, everyone is innocent, everything is okay, and then it starts to go on a different path, and I really like that, that uh, those choices they have made. Yeah. Cool. So, if that's all the comments we have, I think we can probably get into talking about our guests some more. So, this mm-hmm. is the part of the podcast where we always ask our guests to run free with their backstory and how how they got into fandom or why they got into fandom, what their part in fandom is and if they're still in it and what they do. So, um, shall we, uh, so Sophia, how did you, how did you get into fandom all those years ago? Cause you were there pretty much from the beginning, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was always a fan of the legends. I've always read about them. Um, and when, when Merlin started, it was a new show about the Arthurian legends. That's how I, I, I stopped watching it. Uh, but then I'm I'm from Portugal and uh, the show was not very popular here, so I started to check the social media for other people so I could talk about it because I have become like a huge fan. And I uh, I went to YouTube and then I started to to make fan videos um, about Merlin, about um, Merlin and Arthur as a ship, and that's how it all started. And it was in the beginning, yes. Uh, right now, I'm not uh, participating in the fandom as much as I'd like to because life got in the way. But mm-hmm. back in the days, yeah, I, I vid a lot and uh, I had a Tumblr as well uh, and I made uh, edits like uh, Photoshop and everything. I was pretty active. <laughs> but um, right now, I, I just rewatch the show. I really like it. I like um how the take how how it was so different uh from what I was used to um and sometimes i I still read fanfics that's was that was a thing that I 
I was always very interested in that back at the time as well, but I never wrote one. <laughs> I'm now very talented. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> oh. uh, how about you? Um, so I, hi, I'm R again. <laughs> <laughs> so I got into the show because uh, my father growing up loved King Arthur, uh, the legends of King Arthur. So it was something I grew to really love because I had always loved mythology and it was something he loved. So it was something like I, I would read a book in middle school and it would be like a retelling of Morgana's story or a retelling of, uh, Sir Gawain, uh, Gawain's story. So I had always read that. And then, uh, I think pretty, middle of when uh Merlin came out like the first season I started watching um I was a little bit young I was 11 is that how math works this is 10 <laughs> years ago right yes yeah oh then I was 10 <laughs> <laughs> which just proves that Merlin was always supposed to be a family show enjoyed by kids and adults. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started that. That's crazy. That seems wrong. But it's right. <laughs> I know when I know I started watching in the first season. <laughs> that's crazy. Um. So obviously I didn't get involved in the fandom. Online <laughs> until a little bit later. I'm so relieved to hear that. <laughs> um, so yeah. I was watching and I actually didn't like, I joined Tumblr when I was 13 because of Les Mis, um, my favorite musical, but that's kind of when I got into like the fandom. I had friends who I like talked about it with, um, but I didn't really join the fandom until the show was over. <laughs> um, pretty much like right when it ended. When everybody was like, there's definitely going to be a season six and every, and all of the creators and actors were like, no, it's over. The story's done. And we were like, but season six though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's when I really got into it. I, I did a lot of writing that I didn't publish to the math. Um, but they were more like poems. And then I did a few edits and that's it. Yeah. Alright, so now that our lovely guests have introduced themselves and what they do in fandom and everything, uh, let's get into the category. So like we said before, this is going to be uh, love to hate and the love that we're talking about this time is uh, legends, Arthurian legends and the interpretation that we took in the TV show. And uh, we're just going to talk about kind of the general outline of the show and the basic way in which it interpreted the Arthurian legend and what happens in it and what the differences are. And then we're just going to let our guests kind of run riot with their knowledge and kind of nitpick what we don't know. So, uh, Momo, do you want to go ahead and talk about the outline of the show for, for the legends? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, for the listeners who maybe haven't rewatched Merlin a billion times since it came out, uh, just a, a, <laughs> a quick outline of the show, like just, just some of the basics about the characters. So Merlin is a young man. So is Arthur. He's still a prince at this point in time when this when the show begins. Merlin becomes Arthur's servant. Guinevere is Morgana's servant. 
Morgana is in the beginning Uther's foster child and then is later revealed to be his illegitimate daughter, thus Arthur's half-sister. Igraine, who is Arthur's mother, has died in childbirth. She and Uther were happily married, supposedly. Like, there's no... Like, we talked about this in the past. There's no evidence on the show that this wasn't the case for this interpretation of the of the legends. Uh, Merlin doesn't know much about magic yet, even though he is still... Uh, he's already incredibly powerful, but he is still learning how to control his own powers. Arthur, in the beginning... And even later on, to some degree, is a spoiled brat who doesn't think much about his privilege, but likes to take full advantage of it anyway. Merlin's destiny is to protect Arthur so that Albion can be united and magic can return, which is told to him by a dragon. And then in the later seasons, there is a romance between Arthur and Guinevere. Morgana turns against Uther and Camelot because she feels like, like she feels discriminated against naturally because she has magic and Uther hates magic and Merlin remains Arthur's servant until the end and they are friends but also sort of Merlin like also sort of act as an advisor on occasion but not like in any kind of official role and at the end Arthur dies by Mordred's hand Mordred who was introduced as a young boy to the to the show and then later returns as well just barely legal boy <laughs> like it's not it's not officially cradle robbing anymore but you know you look at him and you think maybe kind of it is and uh he's a middle boy <laughs> he's a middle boy he's meant to be 18 is that right like i feel like that's the I point mean, we never know exactly how old mordred in season one is supposed to be and as I was educated recently on Discord, the timeline of the show isn't actually 10 years. It's shorter than that. So who knows how old it is? We would assume he is at least, like, from just from looking at Alex, you would say, okay, he's definitely 18. But we just don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. I mean, I'm, he's you know. seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into my rant about the whole aging up Mordred just so they can basically speed through the entirety of Arthurian literature within 13 episodes. So, anyway, Mordred, Mordred later comes back. He's uh, one of Arthur's most trusted knights in a way. Like Arthur very much adopts a kind of paternal role or big brotherish kind of role to Mordred and then Mordred betrays Arthur and turns over to Morgana, betrays Merlin's secret of being Emrys, and then in the end stabs Arthur with a sword and not quite kills him, but close enough. So that just uh, to remind us of what, what Merlin the show is. And what I would like to know, because like all my knowledge about Arthurian legend is what I read on uh, Wikipedia every time we do a character analysis episode and I'm trying to get some background on this character. Uh, so what I want to know is what's like the most glaring differences between actual Arthurian legends. And I know they are already like, there's not one Arthurian legend, like there are multiple versions of Arthurian legends. But like, what's the, what's like a glaring difference and 
yeah, let's start with that question. What's like the the biggest difference in your opinion? Well, I think the most obvious one and the most boring one is that magic. I guess this one isn't the most boring. Magic wasn't banned in Camelot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the whole point of King Arthur was he was spreading Christianity to the pagans while also using magic himself, like through his advisor Merlin, which is just a wild, <laughs> wild, like, it's wild that, like, his whole point, like, like, the cup of life in the show is, uh, the, the Jesus chalice. What's it called? Um, the, the, the Holy Grail. The Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. Jesus chalice. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably the most glaring one is that, like, magic being banned was obviously a plot device to make the show more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also wild, the people in the show who, like, agree with it and don't. Like, the fact that Gwen was very, like, I don't care about people who use magic, but, like, in the legends, she was, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) anti-paganism. So, it's just, like, that was a, that was a one that was pretty, like, huh, this is an interesting take. And also, I guess the removing of Christianity, what I think was a really good take. Yeah. Although, I mean, Christianity is still there in the show. Like, they will say, oh, God, or you can see a church somewhere in the background. But it's not like, it's not actually a theme. It's just, it's background decoration. I think it would have made it more interesting to keep it, though, because, like, there's even, like, a line in in Mort de Arthur, which is just so out of place. And I don't even know how it stayed in, because it makes no sense when Merlin says, oh, the gods will look after me and I'll see you again one day. I'm like, when has that ever been mentioned before? (laughs) It's so weird. And, like, obviously, magic uh, slash, like magic what they mean by in this show is like you said are like it's more like paganism in the actual legends like it's not this kind of eyes glittering sort of thing like the kind of kid version of magic that we think of that they have in the actual tv yeah, show merlin was the kid of a straight up demon slash yeah. maybe the actual devil himself like that's how merlin got his powers he's like the only one with powers that isn't a witch yeah well, for me, um, I think what what I I thought up first was the the theme of the show. It was very juvenile, and I was used to uh, the legends have these uh, major teams like uh, incest, adultery, uh, raw violence, and everything. So for me, that was the major difference to start with. Uh, I know they were um, thinking about uh, showing the, the the legends through these uh, to the uh, these younger out um, sorry <laughs> younger uh, generation. That, that was the intent, um, but um, that was the, the major uh, uh, aspect of it. Was one of those things I I was missing, I guess. But also, I I agree with uh, with our um, the the paganism versus the Christianity was was one of those things I was missing as well. I think it's 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 one one big uh, they have a big role in the legends. Like 
it's one of those things that is common in all the approaches. Basically, it's the paganism versus the the, the Christian side, um, and um, they they missed that in the show. And uh, I guess the show ended up being a refreshing tale. It's very unique. It's very different. But for me, as a as a Legends fan, for the first time, I got a bit. Um, uh, surprised when I start watching the show. I don't say I, I I hated it. I didn't hate it, but but it was strange for me at first. I I admit. Um, but yeah, those were the things I um I I thought would was very different. Would you agree, uh, Sophia? Because you mentioned yeah. the tone. W- yeah. Would you agree that because I I often feel um I. I talk a lot about history on this podcast because I love history and I'm really into uh, European and English history, particularly like kind of with the monarchy and like social history. And I always get kind of bogged down with, um, oh, well, this wouldn't have really happened and this wouldn't have really happened. Do you feel like the tone of the legends and how it's it is so dark in a way and it's so serious and there is a lot. I mean, obviously, the legends were written hundreds of years ago and so mm. they come with a certain kind of um social norm that would have been acceptable then do you feel like sometimes the show seems a bit shallow because it will take some things and then it will not really go into depth like for example i find the whole thing with camelot's knights very frustrating because they made a big deal about how only noblemen can become knights and i thought that was really interesting and then mm-hmm. it kind of is mentioned but we don't really ever get to find out how the structure of the the social world of Camelot works and who and what like where did these noblemen come from and why are they important and how did they and like all that kind of stuff do you feel mm. like that kind of could have been developed more as it was in the literature uh yeah uh i i think the the show was made to um to grasp uh, younger audi- uh, audiences, uh, yeah. like um, it's a modern take, mm. and I feel like if they went uh, that way about the social norms of the time, I don't, I don't think that teenagers uh, or kids would uh, would actually enjoy it that much. Yes. If that makes sense, because yeah. I, I, what I think, it's their goal was really to to bring these legends to to this younger generation to. To, to just enjoy it, and I think that's why they made everything so 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 juvenile, so so modern. Those are the, those are things that um, I think they 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 completely changed. Uh, like I said, um, I think um, uh, if we if we 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 really were uh, if this was really accurate, um, I don't I don't think that uh, teenagers would actually enjoy it. And we, but yeah, there's a lot of things that were not explained. Um, I mean, Guinevere is is a peasant and she becomes queen like. I don't know, like it's some, it like, like because of love. I mean, that's not how it works, okay? I mean, I don't know, but I agree. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think like in historical shows and all of this, blah, blah blah blah. Like, first of all, there's no real time period that they stuck to, mm-hmm. and yeah. the directors knew this. Yeah. The directors did this on purpose because they yeah. wanted it to kind of just be timeless mm-hmm. in the past. Um, so I think it's in a time of magic. There we go. Yeah, in a time of (laughs) magic, it really isn't 
our world. We've never been there. We've never been where dragons are. This isn't our world. So sometimes, yeah, yeah, you couldn't act. The king, the prince wouldn't just be out in the square with no protection. Like, that yeah. wouldn't happen. Um, like, yeah, there are things, but it also makes for a more relatable, something we can relate to. Because, first of all, we've never, yeah, even the countries that have kings and queens, we don't have the same type of monarchy and all of that. Um, and we don't have magic and all of that. So by making everything more modern in the past, I think it's, it was a good way to make the characters be able to relate to the mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Did I say make the characters? Make people relate people to the characters. The characters. <laughs> We're all yeah. characters in our own life stories. Deep. I know. I'm, I got into this philosophical mood recently, and I just like can't seem to shake it. <laughs> so that's my only um, contribution to this episode today, asking questions and making snide comments. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, what do you guys think? Because what would what would you say? Because I because I know this this like can sound obviously quite negative. Like we're like, oh, this is different, that's different. But do you feel like mm-hmm. there's something that was really cool? Because what first drew me into the show when I accidentally saw it on TV like years ago when it was first on was knowing that Merlin was young because my first experience with the legend as a massive disney fan was the animated movie was the sword in the stone that was the first time i'd ever heard about merlin or arthur and obviously that is the um or i don't know if i mean i don't know if the once and future king is the most well-known version of the legends but it's definitely probably very well known with kids like the old dude and the young boy it's probably the most well-known american version Mm. like that's the one all Americans know. Yeah. Because we love our Disney. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, is that something that you... Th- I mean, I I love that they changed up their age. I think it makes it so interesting. And obviously, you know, the, the change spawned a fandom, really, because you wouldn't have had the Merlin fandom without Merlin, yeah. arguably, you know, arguably. I mean, wouldn't look have at had it without- that. That is just proven by, um, look at... Uh, what was the channel? I think Stars that did the Camelot show with uh Jamie Campbell Bauer and everyone and and Eve, uh, Joseph Fine and Eva Green and like barely anyone watched it. I mean their age difference wasn't even that great between uh Joseph Fine as Merlin and Jamie Campbell Bauer as Arthur, but it was still like it was nothing. Like their relationship was nothing. I I watched a couple of episodes. Their relationship was nothing on the level of like Merlin and Arthur on. BBC's Merlin and and just look at this show it's disappeared barely anyone talks about this show anymore like I haven't seen anyone talk about this show in like years like I I never even saw people talk about it when it was on like I don't I watched season one that was it I think I watched half of season one I was like nah I'm not interested (laughs) I feel like the tone of Merlin like it's because because it's interesting what you said are about the kind of like Welsh versus French because when I think like Welsh versus French I think kind of uh, in a way Wales to me seems I mean I've only been there a couple of times but it, it it feels very mysterious I mean there's obviously why like a lot of countryside I feel like when I think of the Welsh side 
side of the legends I think very kind of mysterious very dark very mm-hmm. gritty and then when I think the French side I think of courtly love and I think of you know the the introduction of Lancelot into the narrative and the whole love story and you know the and I think of jousting and I think maybe like I think that's kind of a perfect way to kind of describe maybe like Merlin versus Camelot is like Merlin is the beautiful clean French like lovey-dovey like we're going to be staring at each other across the room and class doesn't matter and then like Camelot is like you know anytime they do magic blood comes out their nose and that's like Mm -hmm. that's the difference between the two. Yeah I would like to take this moment to apologize to all Welsh listeners in case they were offended by being called (laughs) mysterious. Just because Rock hasn't been to Wales really more than once. <laughs> Miss, I think Mysterious is a really, you know, I mean, listen, Welsh people, in my opinion, get m- called much worse things than that on a regular basis in this country, trust me. So <laughs> they are not going to have a problem with being called Mysterious. I think it's a, but I think it's because a lot of, I mean, and probably it's because it comes from the fact that obviously, you know, the the legend written in Welsh versus the legend written in French. I mean, French is, I mean, don't they call it the language of love or whatever? Well, I don't know. But it's like, the mm. <laughs> love. But it's like, you know, kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of idea. Well, it's really, it's really the type of storytelling that was what type of story they wanted to tell. So in Wales, in Wales, in Welsh, um, in Wales, the story was a lot of times like a oral story passed down that wasn't actually about any real king. Um, the closest probably was a, a few revolutionaries, um, or leaders of, um, armies that happened before, you know, Wales had like a caste system and all of that back like in the Roman times. Like it has, that's the most likely real Arthur was a, uh, well, there's a bunch of real Arthurs, but, uh, so for Wales, it was really about a story about, it was always a story about like how a king spread Christianity or paganism across uh, the land and how he conquered the land with his knights, while the French stories were more about the magic of it all. The so it was really like the purpose of the stories. The purpose of the Welsh stories were to teach a lesson and the purpose of the French stories were to entertain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hence the adultery and the, <laughs> and yeah. the, and the, and the, and then, yeah. Because that's entertaining. I mean, you know, have you ever watched a soap opera? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Depends on what kind of soap opera and in which country, I suppose. But it's like, can you, yeah, I guess Merlin, I mean, Merlin, the TV show, though, yeah, I feel like you guys are right. It is really just geared more towards, like, children. But I think that's what kind of sometimes frustrates me in a way, because I love the interpretation that they gave us in the first couple of seasons. And like we said, like, in The Dragon's Call, you have, oh, that's different, that's different, that's cool, that's cool. But then I feel like, you know, Game of Thrones started and people realized that like kind of magical old oldie shows could like be popular and like financially successful and even the writers like and like the directors admitted that 
they were reading Game of Thrones while they were writing like season four and five and five particularly. I mean, there's a reason why it's set in the snow in like the first episode. And like they were drawing inspiration from that TV show. And I just feel like that is the thing I guess that irks me is like the, how drastically different the tone is. And I don't even think, like, I don't think it was planned that way. I think it's just because that was what was popular by the time they got to season five. And it's a shame because like the, darker tone they were going for in season five doesn't really match the content because it's not any more adult there's no violence there's no sex there's no mm-hmm. swearing it's just like looks. they didn't have to kill Gwen, okay yeah Gwen yeah. isn't dead Gwen is fine he just fainted okay he was at the end of the show he was somewhere in a room recovering that's why percy looked a little bit concerned you know but Gwen is fine. Gwen is totally fine. Like, I think that's, I know this is a total tangent, but I was thinking about season five and how they made it dark in the ways that they could. Like, they didn't follow Gwen's, because so, in the, uh, he has a bunch of names, but Gawain is normally, uh, um, he is the most chivalrous. He is the most respected. He is like Arthur's nephew in the comic. In the, in the, <laughs> yeah. in the comic. So he's actually he's a likable Lancelot, is what you're saying. Lancelot's yeah, no, very yeah. likable. Yeah. No, he's not. I. Let's not argue about Lancelot. You know I don't like him. <laughs> he's a really good, interesting character. Um, in the in the legends, like he has all of this stuff. He's more Ghost's uh, uh, son, and she, he actually has a very close relationship with his mother because his mother isn't the worst. Um, like, let me be clear, I I don't think more ghosts in the show is the worst. I but um, so in the show when he's just like a drunk playboy, and like that's fine. He was interesting. He was then very likable. He was he's one of the most likable, iconic characters in the show he's one of the only people who stands up to arthur being rude to merlin all of these things um but so if they're not gonna follow his storyline at all why'd they have to kill him because it's not even like we got to really like it's not like it had a big impact on the on the viewers because arthur died like 20 minutes later so yeah. nobody cares yeah. that Gwen was dead. No one was allowed person, to live to the end. <laughs> the only person visibly, like, mourning for Gwen was Percival. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe he's mourning for Arthur. So it's wild. It is mm. silly. And, like, but I, but I like that you mentioned how, like, oh, he's so different. Because, yeah, I, he, he is, like, the most kind of, like, virtuous and like chivalrous knight and it's interesting even though they made his personality obviously like a bit of like a Flynn Rider type of like character Mm -hmm. he's still yeah like you said he is actually still one of the most decent characters in the show way more decent than Arthur like extremely loyal like extremely loyal really decent and like wants to work for himself doesn't want to work because he's got a title and like he won't become a knight because his father was a nobleman like he wants to do things the right way he is like so good (laughs) 
And there's like little hints to his original character, like, um, like how he flirts with Gwen, but doesn't actually do anything because in the story, Gwen was like, Oh my God, Sir Gwen is, he's, he's the bestest. I don't like, I don't like, um, I don't like Legends Gwen of Year. I Not very that. much like, I very much like Merlin Guinevere. Mm. But she was like, oh my god, he's so dreamy. Maybe I'll have an affair with him. And he was like, no, I am loyal. And she was like, okay. <laughs> She's not smart. Like, this is, like, I, it makes sense for the time. They had a flimsy, they had to have a less powerful, less cunning woman to make all of the other cunning women seem even more powerful. But like, I guess it, I also can't complain. It was written with lots of sexism, <laughs> like, like the legends, but she just could have been so much more and she wasn't. And that's, I think that's a one thing I love. I love that Gwen has a personality, has her own convictions, is a person outside of Arthur, is a person outside of her affair. I love At least to that. Some degree. To, to yeah, a very yeah. small degree. <laughs> Bigger than the legends. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, she, okay. Gwen on Merlin has more personality and more of a character outside of being Arthur's love interest on Merlin. However, <laughs> as we have discussed in the past, and shall not, and shall not bring up <laughs> right now, but like, it's. She was given a, sh- the, yeah. The, the bad hand out of the female characters. Yeah, definitely, that we had. definitely. <laughs> I, I highly shame. recommend listening to our Gwen episode. Merlin hates its female characters. Yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's true. What, what about some of the more? Because obviously, the traditional interpretations, like all the traditional literature of the legends, is obviously very different from the more like revisionist modern interpretation, like the. The, the interpretation of the legends that I'm actually most familiar with that I've mentioned on here a few times is The Mists of Avalon, which is like one of my favorite books ever. I, I love it. And, um, obviously that is why are you laughing. I'm, it's because like it, it's a very cool interpretation, but it also, she's a, in, within the fandom I was in, it was so funny because we love hated the books. Yeah. Because like they're not great. Fine. But, like, they're amazing stories. Mm, they really are. And it's, like, it's so long, but you just keep reading for some reason. It's just, like, there's so much going on. And, I mean, for such a dense book, you would think there's no way I'm going to get through this. But, and, I mean, I I love the fact, I mean, I don't know that there was just so much kind of happening. And I love the fact that, like, I mean, I've said it on here before, I love I love that Gwen, Nevere, and Arthur and Lancelot end up having a threesome so that she can get pregnant. I think that's hilarious. I think that's like <laughs> the, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of unsure as to why Arthur needed to be there, but fine. <laughs> uh, because actually that used to happen. Uh... If a woman could not bear children, then the king, if a, well, okay. So it was, it would most likely be the other way around. Um, because like men weren't ever wrong, but especially yeah. since like Arthur literally had kids, so he probably actually wasn't the issue for once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so like if a woman couldn't bear children, then they, there was like a whole thing. 
like where they would come in. It's like, you know, it's like Handmaiden's Tale. Like, but wasn't the whole happened. point in that particular book that he says to her, look, obviously I've had affairs because I'm a man <laughs> and I've had no like illegitimate children of any of them. Obviously at this point he doesn't know that Mordred's alive. And like he's like, so clearly or that I'm Mordred the is issue. His, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like uh, clearly I'm the issue, so we need to bring a third party. But obviously there's the whole subplot, which I love, of, um, you know, Arthur and Lancelot probably having a thing for each other, which I just think is like my favorite thing to come out of that book. And I'm so oh, yeah. that it wasn't like, I mean, that was my big thing about Arthur and Lancelot was that they just like had no relationship on the show at yeah. all. Yeah. Actually, shall we talk about the love triangle then? Because that's what, that's my favorite thing from the legends, which is non-existent in the show. Oops. Like it's just. Uh, about the, the love triangle, um, in the in the legends, um, they okay. The legends have portrayed so many different things, right, but uh, <laughs> uh, but usually uh, Arthur and Gwen's marriage is is kind of uh, um, uh, how, sorry a political one. <laughs> yeah, exactly a political uh, one, um, and. They usually don't have uh, th- this this genuine love that uh, the French talk about. Uh, so um, she she actually she she has, has her eyes on Lancelot, and in some legends she actually meets him before uh, this this political marriage. Sometimes it's, it's after, but uh, the point is she and Arthur don't don't have this um, genuine connection that she supposedly have with Lancelot. Uh, in some um, legends, she, in some interpretations, uh, Arthur uh, loves Morgan or Morgane, and he doesn't really care about Guinevere as well. Um, Guinevere itself, she's portrayed in a very different way. Sometimes she's kind, sometimes she's just a bitch, uh, literally. Um, she's always ditzy, though, for some Yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. But she's very um, attached to, to religion, usually. Um, so uh, when she, she betrays Arthur, supposedly, um, she, she just, I don't know, uh, sorry... Um, but Arthur sometimes um, he forgives her, uh, other times he banishes her, other times he sentences her to death. So this this is not uh, a formula. You you'd say how this love triangle usually goes. It's just so different in so many ways. And in Merlin, I guess they they completely forgot the the Lancelot and Gwen connection at some point. I mean, you see they they have something. They have, um, they care for each other, but it's not the same thing as in the beginning of the show. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, she, she completely fa- falls for Arthur. And, um, I mean, that's, I don't know. In the legends, I, I feel like she doesn't really care much about him, um, romantically, but she can, she maybe feels something, uh, she, she cares for him, like companionship. Uh, sort of a relationship sometimes, but usually they they talk a lot about um, her and Lancelot. In in some interpretations, she actually marries Mordred as well. Yeah, that's the weirdest uh, one. For me. Yeah, 
Yes. But isn't it more like uh, Mordred forces her to marry him after he's, like, after Arthur is gone or something? Sometimes, but sometimes she does it just to stay in the family. Exactly. (laughs) I think the betrayal in the show was such a cop-out. Because, like, yes, they did it so the viewers wouldn't, like, hate Gwen, but, like, it was so dumb. But it wasn't even her fault, supposedly. She was enchanted, so... Yeah, she was enchanted, so, like, so, like, the viewers wouldn't care, but nobody knows <laughs> no, but, that she was enchanted. Yeah, not, like, not, not even, even she. Merlin yeah, knows. not even she knows. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. like l- honestly, my, my beef with that is that it took away all of her agency. Like, I mean, first of all, she was enchanted to, to feel drawn to Lancelot and then kiss him, you know? And she never finds out that that, that is what happened. And it just... If the show, like, I honestly would have preferred if the show had given Gwen the opportunity to actively make that decision. Like, if Gwen, in her right mind, had said, yeah, this is who I want to bang, you know, then... Even if even if it was just a kiss and she regretted it yeah, instantly and but was like, least, I just needed to know. Yeah, at least she yeah. would have had agency. You know, at least she would have been mm-hmm. an interesting character with conflicted feelings or even, you know, and like a personality. But no, we took away her agency. Like even more, just just by remove like making her... You wear the bracelet that that enchants her. Like you removed her agency twice over. Yeah, yeah. It was. <sighs> it was. It's one of my biggest pet peeves because, like, I get why they did it because they were. It's a children's show, and they were afraid people wouldn't like Gwen, and she Listen, had to stay. People already she... didn't like Gwen. There are many people who already didn't like Gwen because. Well, depends on on what people we're talking about, but there are a bunch of racist people who didn't like Gwen because she's black. There are a bunch of, like, I'm going to say it, a bunch of Merthyr fans who didn't like and still don't like Gwen because she gets in the way of the OTP. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are plenty of people who don't like Gwen already. So I think they didn't want to give any more ammunition to it, and I like... But it literally is only for the audience because nobody else in the show... But so, and it's not like, even if like, even if in, in the, in season five, if Morgana had been like, haha, but I did ruin your love life for a little bit. Like, even if she had thrown it in his face or something, but no, it's the one episode and never mentioned again. And it's, it's so such yeah, a yeah, out. Yeah. I'm so glad we all agree on this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean. It's just so frustrating because, like I said, it's one of my favorite parts of the legend, and I love that story. And I and like I and like from a shipping standpoint, I always like I'm always drawn to ships where like there are like I like I love ships where there's an arranged marriage and they actually end up falling in love. Like I do love <laughs> those, but I also well, love ships sorry, where there's an arranged fell marriage. Down on me. Honestly, <laughs> uh, and uh, but. At the same time, I love ships where there's an arranged marriage where the where the married couple don't love each other, and there's this like mm-hmm. secret affair 
that's happening and they feel guilty about it and like they but you know it's not really their fault because there was this arranged marriage and they can't get out of it and like I love those kinds of stories so the fact that they ruined that in this like it's not even that big a deal like you don't need to have them having a full-blown affair you can just say that she's like in love with him like you can have her actively be in love with him for more than two seasons like why are you doing this yeah Uh. I don't know why they kept just being like, Toodles, Lancelot! Like, be gone you should for listen four to seasons. our Lancelot episode. We went into this in, like, a lot of detail. Um, but I am quite uh, cautious of the fact that we are getting quite irate, and this is meant to be a love episode. So <laughs> okay. Well, okay. You, you said it was going to be a love episode. I was, I, I would have said it was going to be, like, we look at things... That we both loved and like, loved and hated about okay, this particular well, topic. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess we kind of miscommunicated there, but <laughs> I was going to say, um, my my favorite thing about this show that I um and like the the only beef I'm going to mention is I I hate they steered away from that storytelling model because that's what I got into the show was that they marketed it as a before they were famous story. I loved mm-hmm. that. This wasn't really the Arthurian legend. This wasn't Mm-mm. to be the Arthurian legend. This was a story about the characters from the Arthurian legend before the Arthurian legend actually begins. And that is what I think was really interesting. And I hate that they took that and then season four through to five was just, well, let's forget about that model. We're going to kill off Uther. And we're going to make him king. When Arthur became king, I was gobsmacked because I was like, I didn't, I thought the show was going to end with mm-hmm. Arthur being crowned king. That is exactly what we were told, not only from the marketing, but from the producers, from everything, from the way the story was being told. And so I didn't never expected him to die. And people don't believe me when I say this because I, but it happens in the legends. I'm like, but this show wasn't supposed to be the legends. We have enough of those. This was supposed to be a really fun, like Smallville type. I mean, I think that's what they said. Oh, it's like Smallville for them, for the Arthurian legend. It's going to be everything that happened before, which is why I love it because we get characters like Uther who we never really get to see much in the legends. We have like really interesting characters that we don't really get to see much of. And I, I, I wish we'd have seen more of that and seen like, and delved more into that part of things. And even maybe, prior to that maybe even seen a grain for a bit maybe had some flashback episodes i was much more interested in that than actually reliving the legends and like speeding through like 20 years to the end obviously we have characters from the legends on the show like we have a couple of the knights we have obviously the main four we have uther and we have other people like Murgos and uh, i don't nimue was she in the legends yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nimue is. Yeah, she's also known as uh, Vivian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um and now Egravain. And what I really want to know is like, are there characters that you miss from the legends that you wish had been on the show, and why? Galahad. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> All of the knights at the round table are so interesting, but I would have loved, I think my biggest thing is, I have a personal love for the Lot's sons, King Lot's sons, because 
their story is so interesting. Like they all have a odd relationship with their mother. Can you give us like, can you give us their names? Do they have yes. names? Okay. Yes. He his sons are Gwen, Agravain, Gaheris, Gaheris, yeah. Gareth, and Mordred. Wow. So all of them. Sometimes Mordred is his son, sometimes he's not. Yeah. But so they all have and Lot is like, you know, he's um A lot? Uh Sorry I'm sorry for the bad pun. I couldn't. Yeah, no, he is a lot. He's um he's married to Morgos, who is Arthur's half sister. Like the whole family has such interesting things because the mother and the father didn't get along and then the mother had an affair and then the son chops off her head and then the brothers are like, what did you do? That was our mom. And then it was the whole thing. So I guess I missed them. I missed, you know, Gwen. I missed, you know, Gareth and all of that familial. Because really the only family we get on the show is a little bit weird because Owen and Gwen don't even interact. Gwen mentions a sister on the show. Which is wild, because he didn't have any sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, goodness. they could have been like, they could have been like, yeah, I had brothers I didn't get along with, because yeah. he doesn't get along with all of his brothers. But like, <laughs> they literally took his name and nothing else. They didn't even take oh his name God. properly. Like, like, I think Merlin BBC is the only time I ever heard uh, to him being referred as Gwen instead of Gawain. Like, so they didn't even take his name properly. <laughs> it's a weird nasally word now. Gwen versus Gawain. Yeah. yeah. What about the three, um, the, uh, the sisters? Because obviously they, they didn't really do much with them either. And obviously, I mean, we, I mean, we get more goes, but she's not really... Like, I mean, She's we have really our more goes. Yeah, she. I yeah. mean, we have our own beef with more goes, and I mean, I the less Morgos. said about Morgana as as a. I mean, she's not even really meant to be like evil in the legends. She's just like got a lot of stuff going on, and there's not really any good or bad. It's just a lot. And of a lot of times, she's like an unwilling participant in things. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes she has she makes a kid with Arthur, knowing that they're siblings and doing it evilly. But, like, in the original things, they, like, they didn't know they were siblings. And they yeah. were, or, and sometimes, and sometimes, uh, this fact is giving to, um, more ghosts who has the affair and Mordred is born. But it's, I don't know. It's just like, why not just not make her evil? But <laughs> I get, and I, I think in, in one of the early versions, like, I think in, if I remember this correctly from my uh, <laughs> research for the Morgana episode in the version by Joffrey of Monmouth, she wasn't evil. She was like one of the good magical uh, queens of Avalon who put Arthur to sleep after he was stabbed and, and like watched over him 
until like healed him and then watched over him while he slept until the day that he is set to return to you know in Albion's greatest need blah 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 uh so she wasn't even evil in the original Joffrey of Monmouth version if I remember this correctly she is the lady of the lake a lot of times which is a Mm -hmm. good character and not necessarily like a character that only does things that are good for the other characters but a character whose actions overall are for the benefit. And I think they took her, like, few bad moments, like, the fact that she, like, did attack, like, there are times where she did attack the crown, but it was, like, needed, and there was times... Because they really took away the... I guess when they took away the Christianity versus paganism, they had no reason for her to be angry, so they just made her evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they would have had a reason to make her angry if they did what we said in the Morgana character analysis, which was just like, don't write it so shit. <laughs> like, just, yeah. yeah. And like, well, like, to be fair, her reasons for being angry, like, are, are valid. Like, Merlin did try to kill her. Yeah, I guess. Like, after yeah. she had surrendered, like. Yeah. And then. And, like, her father did keep things from her. That's another thing that they changed, which was interesting, that they are siblings through their father, where Mm. in the legends they are siblings through their mother. Because then it shows a history that the Pendragon's wives have affairs. (laughs) And it shows why he would be more angry. Yeah. But I guess also because um, if they... I guess in the show as well, they did it because, well, A, Uther was there as a character, but B, it, um, well, it doesn't give her any claim to the throne because she's illegitimate, so that's wrong. But, um, it, but, uh, it gives her the claim through blood, whereas if she was, um, if, um, if it was siblings through the mother, then it wouldn't be the Pendragon bloodline necessarily. It would be like, so because they have the same father, I guess it gives the whole plot plot device of oh now i can challenge him for the crown when well no you're a woman you're illegitimate and you don't we don't even know if you're older or younger so why would you think that you have a claim to the crown uh it just drives me crazy (laughs) it drives me crazy uh uh, sophia what was your um because uh because didn't you mention was it you mentioned gareth as well who was your your favorite one Galahad. Galahad. Why? Why did you miss him in the in the show? Uh, he because he's uh, he's this um, knight. Uh, he's supposed to be this pure knight, very humble. Uh, like is uh, is a bit like um, how how are described going. Is is seen in a, in a, in the same light. Um, and I mean, in the legends, it does play a, a good, uh, important role uh, that has to do with the Holy Grail, and they have this whole journey about the Holy Grail and how he is the only one that finds it. That finds it sometimes in some variations is Percival, but um, Percival it, was the original the, knight to find it, and then after, sorry, sorry, sorry to interject, but like. Because I we've talked about this, but in the Lancelot episode, Percival originally was the one who was the purest knight and who was allowed to, like, see the Grail or touch the Grail or whatever. And then the French inserted Lancelot into the into the legends because they had to have 
their character in there. And then Galahad is Lancelot's son, and Galahad basically inherited all of Lancelot's best qualities and, and amplified them like by a million and became even purer than Lancelot ever was. And then the French basically were like, well, now we have Galahad and he's even purer than your old boring Percival. So now Galahad gets to see the grill. And that's why I don't like Galahad because, <laughs> because <laughs> the French took it away, took the grail away from Percival. For me, it's more about the journey, uh, the knights do. I think it's uh, sometimes it's very interesting to read about it. And I, well, I guess since they they took the the Christian side of uh, of the story from Merlin, I guess it wouldn't make sense to have the Holy Grail anyway. But one thing <laughs> one thing I missed was Avalon for me. I I didn't like how they they made Avalon uh, like uh, it was the the sheet sheet is how you say it right. Um, yeah. Uh, place and uh, the fairies whatever and Avalon is supposed to be this great powerful place uh, only the the high priestesses and high priestess of uh, magic can enter and is uh, it's a mystical place I don't know I really it's one of those things I really like about the legends as well I, I love the, the magic part the paganism part of it and I didn't like what they did with Avalon to be honest because it's supposedly the the resting place of Arthur as well uh, it's where he, he will be, his body will be till he wakes up to save uh, Britain. You know, it's a very important place in, in Legends. Uh, it, and I, I, I didn't like how they did it in Merlin. It's one of those things that also bothered me, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you agree. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's another I one of those. spent more time there because it's like a yeah. big setting for like yeah. where adventures happen. It's like, oh, Mortals have to go into Avalon, like, through the help of the priestess to get this thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, we Avalon's never shown. It's just a lake and then yeah. shimmery. And it's like... Exactly. It's like, we get you don't have the budget. We see that. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, I think that's what I meant, though, by how they kind of take things from the legend on a shallow note, and then they just kind of keep it shallow. They don't really go into depth, like... You said, Sophia, Avalon is a great, a, a place of great intrigue and magic. And the show kind of just reduced it to a lake. And it's not even really explained what its powers are or why Arthur has to go there. It just is. And there's not really, like, that doesn't, I mean, from my recollection, there's not much in the legends where it's just like, that's just it. Like, there's, you know, thousands of pages of like, <laughs> like there's nothing and... simple in any Arthurian legend exactly. ever. Yeah. <laughs> or as Merlin has just simplified everything. They spend seven hundred pages explaining how, like, how Gawain and Gareth wear slightly different robes to show. <laughs> like, that's not even a lie. There's like a large section, like where it's like they like. Where, like, they have to put on different things because, like, Gareth just, or Gareth just murdered their mom, beheaded her, and they're like, why'd you do that? And they're like, we gotta change clothes. And that's, like, a thing <laughs> that I read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta change clothes because I murdered my mom. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've been, like, uh, bringing it back to the target audience of this show. The target audience of this show were, like families, children, teenagers, 
you know that that was the target audience so simplifying the legends isn't exactly a bad thing per se it's just you know when you when you simplify it to the points where actually merlin the show is like such an AU version of the legends where the characters only happen to have the same names as the characters on the show and like only like very basic character traits that sometimes even aren't the same <laughs> then you know then you have to question if it has been adapted like if it's really an adaptation of Arthurian legends at all you know yeah. I mean, I would still say it is uh, because you still have key elements in it. It's just that, you know, it's it's at, like uh, walking a fine line between being an adaptation of Arthurian legends and not. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. say it did breed an entire generation of kids who would not have read Arthurian legends to start reading them. It really did. So, yeah, it simplified it and all of that. But you also have these kids who, like, know about Arthurian legends and who will probably show the... Sh- I know I'll probably... Like, if I have kids, I'll show them the show. They'll probably be like, the graphics suck. And I'll be like, I know, it's 2048. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> they it's suck today in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it was dated when it aired. Leave me alone. Um, But it is a show that really, like, if you knew nothing about the legends, which a lot of people going in did. You don't care either way. You don't care, and you get that surface knowledge, and you go, and if you want to know more, you do, and then you read Mm -hmm. all of the novels. And if you don't really care to learn more, it's still a fun show to watch. So while we can while we're nitpicking, because we love nitpicking. Yes. Because who doesn't? Oh, God, I love nitpicking. But <laughs> you're, you're, you're right on a, this podcast for nitpicking. <laughs> uh, taking a step back and being like, huh, look at what this has done. No, I definitely agree. I mean, I I would say that about basically any kind of literary adaptation, because... Like, there will be a lot of people who will only watch the movie or the show and will never go look at the source material ever. Like, there are plenty of people who have only ever watched the Harry Potter movies. I, like, I know these people exist, and um, I have come to accept that. <laughs> um, and, like, I'm I'm also, like, for, I don't read every book that goes with every movie I see. Like, uh, plenty of times when I watch the movie, I'm happy to just watch the movie and not go read the the novel it's based on or the, the legends it's based on. Um, but... But I'll always do a quick Wikipedia. Yeah. It, depend, it depends on what I'm watching, to be honest. But, yeah. <laughs> I love Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great source of knowledge. It's where I do all my uh, research uh, for this show. But yeah, it's like I can I can understand it or accept that. But like you said, there will for every for every kid that doesn't go to read the legends, there are let's say two who go and do. And you have to be realistic and look at the fact that even now, five years after the show has finished, 
we still draw in new fans like there there doesn't there isn't a month or maybe even a week that goes by where not someone new pops up in a in a Merlin chat in a Merlin discord on Tumblr or anywhere who's like oh I just found this show or oh I just rediscovered this show and then they're back and then and you know now they're older now they're more interested you know so at the very least it does that it's it draws people in and makes them sad not to put a dampener on things <laughs> but i think there like i think what gets me is like i cuz i love adaptations i will always defend like as a as a filmmaking graduate i will defend adaptations like obviously but i think what gets me sometimes with this is like instead of pulling from the source material and making it work for you they oftentimes just pulled from the source material and just kind of laid it there on the table and just went uh, and they did nothing interesting with it like like we <laughs> yeah. talked about with, with the love triangle if you weren't planning on making like on following through then just don't have that character in there. But because you're pulling from a certain source material, you have to have Lancelot in there. But if you're going to have him in there, you need to do something with him. That's not an adaptation fault. That yeah. is a writing I, fault. Mm-hmm. You I should will, be doing I will agree to that. that, that especially because the Arthurian legends are so varied and are so plentiful of like different versions like you don't even have to pull from just one version of it. You could have actually combined several different versions of the legends and still created something entirely original that is rooted in the legends that is different from any one type like version of the legend and still interesting and you know I will agree to that. The next point that we have, well, the next question is what what personality traits of the existing characters are missing? Is that a good or a bad thing? And I guess I'm going to add a little bit to that question, say what personality traits are kind of the same, I guess, because so many of them are different. But for example, characters like, I mean, I know Lancelot obviously does a, a bad thing in the end, but he's obviously this virtuous, like the most noble of them all. He's very much that in the show. Well, he tries. <laughs> let, can can yeah. we agree on saying that he tries to be that? Because well, to be fair, he never did anything wrong. Like, yeah. Well, yes, he did. He well, all oh, that thing. Okay, all right, fine. Like, okay, he left Gwen, but he thought he was doing yeah, the right thing. That's what I'm thing. saying. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he, he tries to be this noble person who always does the right thing, and I think that's also what we agreed on on the Lancelot episode that Lancelot very much intends always to be noble and and do the right thing. But often he doesn't consider other people's point of views on the matter. <laughs> um, whereas other characters are obviously like wildly changed, like beyond recognition. I mean, let's, I mean, Merlin for one. <laughs> like, what? Was it you? What, that Merlin's I- different than the legend? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, he's, he's, I never he's, Well, he's definitely not the son of the devil, that's for sure. Well, we, well, he's a, yeah. <laughs> that depends on wow. how you view Valinor, I guess. That depends on how you <laughs> view leaving your wife and pregnant child. I guess he didn't know. Did he know? I forget. He didn't know he had a son. No, he didn't know he had okay. a son. We don't know that much about Hunith. Maybe she's a demon. I'm just saying. <laughs> True. Good point. 
<laughs> she did have all those boils on her. Boils oh. are the mark of the devil. Um, but like beyond obviously the major changes they made to Merlin, which I just think are kind of hilarious because yeah, he pretty much bears no resemblance. I mean, unless you're going to talk about the Walt Disney version of Merlin where he's quippy and old, but like Merlin's not old, so he's just quippy. It's <laughs> and kind he- of like they split Merlin into two people with Merlin and Gaius. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Pulling from the legends, Gaius doesn't exist, so he really has all of the traits that you expect from Merlin in the thing, in the, which I think is a really good way to do it. I thought the addition of Gaius in a role where there was an elderly person who had used magic, who understood magic, who was kind of like a mentor <coughs> to both Arthur and Merlin. I thought that was a really good way to do it since they, because he was young, they had to get rid of all of his knowledge. I really liked that, how they did that by splitting Merlin into two people. I accept that, but as everybody who's listened to this podcast podcast for more than five minutes knows, I don't like Gaius, but... Um, oh, yeah, I don't like Gaius either, but I like what they did with him. Well, no, I don't, because... Okay, I don't know the legends that well. What I know of the legends, like I said, comes from Wikipedia research for specific episodes or uh, watching uh, Sword in the Stone, the Disney movie. Um, or BBC's Merlin, which we just... <laughs> realized isn't that literal of an adapt adaptation but um isn't merlin supposed to be like like you said a mentor uh, advisor to author like teach him things about life and how to be a good king and stuff and it's just guy isn't really doing that <laughs> which is my main beef with him he just he keeps telling Merlin, well don't use your magic but he never explains anything like well, maybe not anything, but he does most of the things he doesn't explain to Merlin. He just expects Merlin to do as he's told, which, listen, you're talking to a teenage boy. He's not going to do as told if you don't give him reasons. Like Gaius in um, Mark of Nimue tells Merlin, well, don't go around healing Gwen's father. Why not? I have the power. Well, then you will have to cure like it would look fishy. Okay, I'll just cure everybody. And Gaius just says, well, don't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. We still have to find the source. Which is reasonable, but is clearly not enough reason for Merlin not to do it when he sees his friend being so upset about her father dying. Like, Gaius should have told him, listen, if you heal Arthur, uh, if you heal Gwen's father, it will look weird, probably even for Gwen. Like, I'm sure that Gaius has thought this far, that this is part of the reason why Gaius tells Merlin not to do it, but he doesn't let Merlin in on that. And there are countless uh, examples of Gaius just telling Merlin not to do something because Gaius, in his age and wisdom and experience, has already thought through all the ramifications of doing this thing, but Merlin hasn't because he's like... (laughs) He's a baby! He's a baby! He's a literal (laughs) baby! He doesn't know shit! (laughs) <laughs> and he's meant to be advising Arthur, like, in future seasons. I will say that Merlin is not helpful at all. 
he kind of just says crypt it like in the in the con in the legends he says like crypt he's like he's like beware that your heart may hurt and it's like so he's kilgara so that's the kilgara is another aspect of mona so they split him in three actually on the show yeah yeah so he really like so while like your beef with Gaius is totally like legitimate but like merlin also merlin arthur was born and merlin was like hmm um i'm gonna pick you up and let you be raised by peasants because I said so. Like, there's no... He does not give reasoning sometimes for why <laughs> Arthur was raised by peasants. Because, like, Uther knew he was his kid. Uther was like, that's my son, but I'm not going to talk to you ever because Merlin said so. And it's like, but why? So, like, really, like, your beef, like, is legitimate, but also, like I said... A great yeah, but, way to do the okay, character. But the assumption is that, I mean, Uther was already older than Merlin is on the show, and he has already learned to trust when Merlin says something that, you know, Merlin will be right about it. Merlin is like, has been in Camelot for like a week when Gaius tells him not to do something, and Merlin goes and does the thing, and Gaius is like, shooketh that Merlin, Merlin did the thing, even though Gaius said not to do the thing. And I'm like, listen. I know you've never had kids, and it's obvious that you've never had kids because you expected <laughs> them to do as you said without explaining why you said so. <laughs> Gaius parenting Merlin in season one is just my favorite thing about season one because it's just like, the li- Merlin, blind please tell me that you blind. haven't got yourself mixed up in this. <laughs> it's the blind It's amazing. It's, oh exactly. Um, I mean, we've already talked about Gwen and how he's very loyal and very just and everything but it's not really anything like Gwen in the legends but I think a lot of this is because like you guys have already said they took away the religious aspect from the show and a lot of these knights are like virtuous also by way of religion which is like part of the reason why like they're so good and it's like well you can't really like yeah you can have it but otherwise they just i mean i love lancelot but you can't have every character being like lancelot because no one is that good <laughs> like yeah. no one no one sits around brooding by a window saying how can i make the world a better place i'm so unworthy <laughs> like you yeah. can't we're just what lancelot does every day the most interesting part about lot's sons is that they have sometimes an unjust father a like a cruel father and sometimes and a pagan mother and like they have to they are some of the care i think the reason why i love like gareth and all of them is because they choose to be good despite not being like religious people so but when so that's why like lancelot and Gwen are so different it's like yeah they're both chivalrous but like lancelot is pure in the eyes of God, and just, like, Gwen's just, like, a good guy. So when you take that away, you just get a lot of one-note characters that all seem like they're the same. Yeah. (laughs) So I think you're right about removing the Christianity aspect of it makes it seem like they're just making one character over and over again. Mm -hmm. Oh, guy helps out Merlin and Arthur in a fight and ends up being their friend, sleeps in the bed, sleeps in Merlin's bed, and then leaves. 
Like, how many times can you do that plot? <laughs> well, several. <laughs> um, I actually have a question about Agravain because when we mentioned his name earlier, you didn't seem that pleased, you two. So, do you want to talk about what they did with Agravain on the show? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he is a treacherous, murderous brat. In the legends. <laughs> In the legends. <laughs> but, he cut, he does this from a point of jealousy. And like, he is the opposite of Gwen and Gareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the one, he, like, uh, he like, he plots with, uh, Mordred because they're brothers and they both want to see the downfall of things. And because Agravain is jealous that he wasn't the good kid, the good son, the most virtuous, who... So, that's why he does all the stuff, but in the show, he's just, like, weirdly in love with Morgana, which is icky. Yeah. Super icky. Well, being Arthur's uncle rather than his cousin. He's his nephew, and they reverse the roles completely. That's wild. Yeah, and it's like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be, like... Like, this is what I'm saying about the source material. They just took it and just did something that makes no sense because if Agravain was obviously, like you say, linked with Mordred in the Legends, when, why didn't you introduce him in season four as a young guy that could then influence Mordred and make his, like, downfall make sense as opposed to having an uncle which has never been brought up before now, even though he's apparently a great <laughs> brother? <laughs> Even if you kept him as as Arthur's uncle that was never brought up before, like you could have easily at least given him the motivation that Legends Agravain had, like jealousy and whatever else. Like why make him weirdly in love with Morgana? Why not just try to sabotage? Like why even have him work with Morgana from the get-go? Like you could have easily made it about um, Agravain just swooping in as soon as Uther is is dead and being like, ooh, I have a young vulnerable king who's still grieving. I can't influence him and like make this kingdom my own. And then he just uh, happens to fall into uh, allegiance with Morgana for some reason. You know. The other question I had for you too, um, in terms of the way that they change things, is obviously we've talked about the big thing like the two big things for me when I think of Arthurian legend are, I mean, obviously they took the whole Arthur being young and growing up with like Sir Hector and everything away. So like, that's not even in the show, which is fine. But then there's obviously the love triangle. And then there is obviously the incest slash betrayal and then murder. So obviously, I mean, I a lot of incest in the, I mean, I just was thinking about it because it's like more than once. Yeah. <laughs> and like they didn't I I don't believe for a second that they actually were going to have Morgana be Uther's daughter because we've like I said, we've been reviewing season one episodes and like They're and warning. They, and, and like yes. Uther's yeah. okay with it. <laughs> Uther's okay with it and Uther like I even said to Momo because obviously now that we know how it ends it it seems outrageous, but like Uther and Morgana have a dynamic that is like husband and wife not like 
father and daughter like they discuss arthur as like a little bratty kid who's like Mm -hmm. they have to keep under control they both go to give him advice like they are constantly bickering and like it's not until the like season two onwards that we get that kind of father-daughter dynamic and i and he doesn't he say you uh momo in to kill the king that she's been a companion for him and that like she's helped and i'm like listen if i think that they could have actually like convincingly had them married if they weren't actually ended up being father and daughter and yeah then like what you said are with the whole i mean i ship arthur and morgana as well so it's very hard for me to talk about this (laughs) because i'm just like i'm still not quite over it and i you know, once the ship has sailed, there's no going back. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if they're actually related. But like, why would you change your mind? Like, you knew they were related in the legend. So why didn't you just hint more for that in the first place? And then if you changed your mind, like, or, or just don't change your mind, you can't have them being like, love. Oh, or, I don't get it. Or I don't get it. If- if you were like, if they knew from the beginning that they were going to be related on the show why and they wanted them to flirt because they wanted to have you know them they wanted it to be obvious to the audience that they don't know that they're related why not lead it to its conclusion where like they keep flirting right until like morgana finds out that she and arthur are related and then she she starts spiraling down like guilt and everything because she's like oh my god i I like him, I love him, or whatever, but we are related, it's forbidden, we can't. Yeah, and Arthur being completely, like, confused, because why is Morgana suddenly dropping me like a hot potato? Why don't I understand? We were, like, having this really cool flirtation that was slowly, you know, gaining momentum, having, and then just, it's gone, and he doesn't understand why. Like, he could have, he could have worked with that, even if you knew they were going to be related from the start. Exactly. If shadow hunters can do incest, Merlin can do incest. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't even have throat... to do it. Like they didn't do anything, but they they were flirting, like we said. And then, I mean, we're gonna get into this with the with the armor stuff when we do the actual like relationship analysis. But I mean, we we are doing what I call armor watch for the season one episodes because after season one, you don't get any more, and it's just yeah. like. It's just this perfect contained love story that never actually saw its conclusion, but they never actually like fell out either. And then in season three, it's like, she's always been like a sister to me. That's not how I would treat my sister. (laughs) It's like, she's always been like a sister to me. Um, Wasn't there an episode where she was like, let's see how hot and bothered I can get Arthur. Yeah. Oh, right. Wasn't that the first episode? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) That's why I consider seasons one and two like completely separate. Like when I watch season one, I don't watch season one thinking, oh, my God, these two are related. I watch it as you're supposed to watch it, which is these two are clearly not related. Like, I don't care what the show says because it's not true. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I hate it. Like, also, that if Uther had been like against them flirting and stuff, that would have built so much more because it would have been. Morgana constantly rebels against Uther, so she would have flirted yeah, with him. Yeah. She would have flirted with him more, and it would have been Arthur's like very limited act of rebellion that would have set him up for being able to stand up against his father. 
if it were to be redone in 2018, if BBC was like, hey, we're doing Merlin because we just redo things now. We're redoing Merlin. Vote, uh, like, give us, like, suggestions and stuff, like. Which they would never ask for in the first place, but. Yeah. Which they would never do. <laughs> but this is fantasy but land, that's fine. This is fantasy land where they remake Merlin. Um, <laughs> and I'd be like, um, here's a suggestion. Also, gay boys. Or gay girls. Give us canon gays. I think they didn't do it because it was Merlin and Arthur, you know, like the, the characters the, that, uh, English uh, see from the legends, and they were uh, afraid of uh, making them gay. I think. I think that was. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like I mean that's kind of legend stuff, isn't it? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I personally love Arthur and Lancelot, like I said, and I, I mean, that was definitely yes. (laughs) Like I was, like I said, I know that like the the mist of avalon is like the best thing ever but like i love their relationship in in that and even though like lancelot lancelot and guinevere is like one of my favorite love stories ever in that book lancelot and arthur oh my goodness like the fact that it actually does happen and i mean we don't obviously it's not written down but i'm not sure how involved guinevere was in that that's all i'm gonna say and i'm (laughs) just literally just like oh my goodness i love it and that's the one thing i really really wish had been in the show was just like more like more of them, but yeah, that that would have been awesome. But oh well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like in the legends, Gwen li- Gawain literally wears a girdle almost everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like y'all think of him? No, he like lo- like he did a whole thing where like the Green Knight was like, chop off my head, and next year I'll chop off your head, and he was like, yeah, I'll do it, and then he didn't let him chop off his head, but then he wore a girdle all the time, and like. For all of the women he flirted with, he had just as many male friends. So, like, there wasn't a lack of precedent for, I don't know, characters have been gay, made gay with less. I mean, I think that we've kind of covered everything that we did or didn't like about it. I do apologize uh, when I kind of got ahead of myself and mentioned this as a love episode, (laughs) because I feel like there's been a fair amount of complaining and... A uh, not insignificant amount of that was coming from me. To be fair, when we originally planned this segment of the podcast, we very much had every intention of like alternating between things that we exclusively love and exclusively hate per episode. And then it just uh, like while while I was planning this episode, I was just like, this is gonna be very mixed feelings about both being love and hate stuff. So let's just make this about like things that have no place in any other category we have. <laughs> that memo was say. not translated to me. However, one thing I will say is that what we've proved today is Merlissen is a voyage of self-discovery, <laughs> and you will never really know how you truly feel about a topic until you come on this show so there you go I will Um, say that as much as I complain I do like the show I know it seems like I don't we we complain about the show in every episode and we still love it to pieces that's why we complain because we we we, because it's like our child like you can do better I'm disappointed in you (laughs) as usual we're gonna transfer into the Rex section of the podcast um i think both of our guests were told of this i know it's quite a difficult theme to find a rec for which is i mean what i said to 
Sophia specifically was if you wanted to wreck your favorite like Arthurian legend like retelling or something then that could also be cool um I know I mentioned Mists of Avalon I'm sure you guys have a favorite so do you do you two want to go first and tell us either your favorite Arthurian legend or if you have a fan work that you want to wreck in terms of uh, the Arthurian legends, um, I really like the movie Excalibur. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I just think it's a complete um, movie. It's a, it, they had a complete ta- taste of uh, of everything about the legends, so I like it. It's very old. It's uh, 1981, I think. Uh, as for fandom recommendations, I, I I have to admit I don't have any. I'm sorry. I've been away from the fandom from for some time, but in terms of uh, the legends, I actually never read anything on fan fictions about the legends. I made once a video with the, with um, the legends. If you want to check, you can go to my channel in YouTube. It's uh, Sue Winchester 900. Uh, I don't know. That's about it. <laughs> so I don't have any fix, but I do have. If you like any of the ladies from Merlin. Um, Lavina Collins uh, has written so many books about the women. She has um, some about the... She has one about Guinevere. She has one about Morgana, one about Morgos. She has one about Ingrain, the mother of um, Arthur. She has one called Merlin's Curse, which is part of the Ingrain uh, series. So... She really has almost all of the female characters. She has given them their own book or their own series. I personally really like them. Obviously, they have issues. They're not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I really like them. And then the other one is a uh, graphic novel um, that uh, is on Kickstarter, but you can buy the book. It is Gawain and the Green Knight by Emily Cheeseman, and that is exactly how it is sounds, Cheese Man. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I have I have three, and they're not entirely like in tune with the theme because I found it really difficult to find um, or to remember a fix that I may have read that like touch on the legends. But I have found some that, in a way, do touch on it or at least have this like air about them of being like mythical legendary crap whatever the first one is uh the beltane cycle written by astolat um which is a series of fics that is uh nearly twenty-eight thousand words long it the overall rating is explicit it was part fic by Feige, and um it's basically about merlin's parentage which picks up on merlin being fathered by a demon in the in the legends like in this in this uh fic series that's like the very first or second part is um Hunith getting it on with this demon and uh getting pregnant from the demon and then having Merlin and that's where Merlin gets his power because he's half demon and like how that parentage impacts his life in Camelot and like his his magic and his role in Camelot like what happens if he's like like severely threatened by someone or maybe if the demon comes back to claim him as as his child so that's my first wreck i haven't listened or read this in a long time so i'm not entirely sure what all happens but that is one of the things i definitely do remember about it and it's astolet so you know i trust that it's good (laughs) 
Then there is um, another two fics that go together but weren't written by the same person. The first one is called Pendragon, which was written by Separus. And then there's a like sort of an unofficial sequel by an author called Shine, and the sequel is called Loss and the Finding. Separus' story is uh, rated Gen, and it's only about 1,000 words long. The second one is uh, explicit, and it's almost uh, like somewhere around 4,000 words long. There's a part fic of both by Dodie Ficus, and uh, it's about Merlin, like the first one, Pendragon by Separus. It's about Merlin wanting to visit his mother in Ialdor and Arthur being worried that, you know, there are bandits on the roads these days. He's worried about Merlin getting hurt. He's also angry with Merlin for having to go in the first place, but he doesn't really know what to do with these feelings, how to interpret these feelings. And there's a lot of, like, Morgana being like, oh, Arthur, how can you be so oblivious to your own feelings? And um, Arthur... um, gives Merlin a ring as a token and also as sort of a protection and uh, so that if anything happens to Merlin, he should give this ring to the bandits so that the bandits then know who to come to to claim ransom money. And there's a lot of hints about like who the Pendragons or especially who his mother's family, like Arthur's mother's family was before they were kings of Camelot or queens of Camelot. And then the second part, Lost in the Finding, is about, well, someone bringing back the ring to Arthur, but not Merlin. And then Arthur go like, someone demands ransom money to be paid for Merlin, and Arthur goes and um, <clears throat> doesn't really pay ransom money, but gets Merlin back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of where the explicit rating comes from. The other part is from uh, some smut. And my last one is called The Hunt. It was written by November Light. It's uh, rated explicit. It's about 12,000 words long. There is, again, a part fic by Eric Kaschal, who has an amazing voice for this kind of story. Um, the the summary... Well, the summary doesn't really tell you much, but from what I... Uh, like, it's been a while again since I listened to this. Um, like, there's a hunt, and the Pendragons are not entirely human. Like, there's a... They're not exactly werewolves, and it's not really uh, like Omegaverse fake, but they're still nodding involved, just to put that out there as a warning. And um, Merlin is sort of tricked into being the prey, and then he gets uh, hunted down by Arthur, and there is um, some mating happening in the woods. And um, if you enjoy part fake, that is... um, how should I say? Hmm, sexy. Let's just say sexy. <clears throat> you should definitely listen. I remember when I first read that. Listen to this because I listened to it. Like I've never read it. I listened to it and I was just like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, but I don't really like Omegaverse. But yeah, it, it it definitely has like a vibe of that kind. Yeah, of, like it's like, it's not. It isn't Omegaverse, and it also isn't werewolf fic. But like I said, there is nodding involved which is like the only like non-human trade apart from merlin being magical of course um that is in there but like if you can look past that it's just really intensely hot like unless it's your thing then you definitely shouldn't look past it and enjoy it but (laughs) if it's not your thing then um i'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it anyway because it's not about like 
uh, alpha omega uh, dynamics at all. <clears throat> so yeah, um, those are those are my recs. So uh, I've got some vid recs as usual. Um, three of them are from the same vidder. Apologies, but they did do quite a lot of like legend inspired vids, and that is uh, Estas. I know Sophia, you'll you'll know her because we collabed mm-hmm. together on numerous yeah. occasions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the first one is called the Arthurian Legend, which does exactly what it says on the tin. Um, there are some like manipulations with like having like a baby Arthur and baby Morgana, like with kids from other shows and things like that and it just follows the legend it's really really good the music is really good the second one is called arthur pendragon the legend which again is pretty self-explanatory this one goes into a little more like i feel like there's a bit more lancelot and guinevere stuff in this one which i really appreciate because they are just perfect that one is also really really nice and then uh, really, really gr- great manips in that one as well. Like with Lancelot's betrayal and Arthur like screaming at him and stuff. It's all really, really well edited. Then another one by that video I have is uh, the trailer for Stars Camelot, but Merlin style. So to those of you that don't know what that means, it is uh, the audio of the Camelot trailer and then the visuals of Merlin m- m- put to match that. So it looks really, really cool. Um, just thought because we were talking about Camelot before that. And then uh, Madrigal P made a video called The Arthurian Legend Morgan Le Fay, which exa- does exactly what it says in the tin, is all the stuff Ooh. from... What? I love Morgan. I'm excited. I'm going to read it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, yeah, yeah. So um, that is uh, that is really, really cool. And, yeah, it just go, uh, it has a lot of stuff with Morgos and all that kind of stuff. So that will be linked for you. And then I will add this final one. I was debating whether or not to because it's not technically got many legendary attributes, but it's by Tiger Lily uh, 536. And it's an Arthur Morgana vid, and it's called Our Love is Like a Sin. And I'm including it because they do know that they are brother and sister in this video and the effects are incredible and the editing is amazing and i mean you really can't do much better than arthur and morgana on a lovely sunday afternoon so (laughs) go ahead and enjoy it it's fine we didn't know about it in seasons one and two (laughs) that's my i mean that's what i tell myself to sleep at night anyway so (laughs) um that's all of my recs and uh yeah i think this has been Really, really interesting. I think seeing how different. Again, I didn't think there was going to be as much ranting. I thought we were going to have a lot of really cool, like, happy things to say. <laughs> but that always seems to happen on this podcast. We start off happy, and then I remind everyone that Arthur died, and his final words to Merlin were "Thank you." So you know, there we go. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So now that we've talked about all of our wrecks and everything that we love and don't like about the legends, despite all the complaining, this was meant to be a love episode. Never mind. (laughs) And uh, we shall uh, exit ourselves out next time. We are going to be having a brand new category. So look out for that. Exciting. We're not going to reveal what it is, but you'll have to tune in to find out. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about it though. And I'm really excited as is Momo. So uh in the meantime thank you so so much to both our guests who were sophia hi goodbye in this case <laughs> and R. hello and goodbye amazing and i'm a snowfox and i'm a mortastic 
and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.